Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to the Mike Grab Weekly Podcast, episode 39 for March the 9th, 2018. What a week it's been. <laughs> Hope you've all been well. I've had a bit of an interesting week, so let's just kick right into it, I guess. Um, I left you at the end of the last podcast talking about how uh, I was going to go see Cold Chisel play at the Adelaide 500 with my dad and my sister. That's a bit of a family tradition thing that we've had going on for a few years since like 2011. So I think that's just a thing that we try to do whenever they come around. I just kind of grew up listening to their music as a kid. So it's a cute little family thing that we like to do, I guess. Um, it was a good show. Like it was really cool to watch them because like I, I'll always, I'm not ashamed to admit that I like their music. It's just, you know, if you listen to any mainstream, I shouldn't even say mainstream, any radio station in Australia that isn't Triple J, you're basically, or like a fresh FM, you're going to hear too much cold chisel throughout your whole week and it gets very, very played out really quickly. So 100% can see how people get burnt out on them. It's like, I'm kind of done with ACDC, the amount of times I've heard them on the fucking radio in the past few months. Since, whoop, microphone's falling over. Sorry. In the past few months, hearing them on the radio at work. God damn. Lordy, I didn't mean to start it off in such a negative light. I'm sorry. Um, before I talk about it, though... Uh, my friend Rip had a great point um, about the Adelaide 500. Because for, for those who don't know, it was called, like, it's not called the Clipsal anymore. It's called the Adelaide 500 instead of Clipsal 500. And Rip made a great point the other day that I don't think I touched on was that, like, this is the marketing <laughs> genius in him coming out, um, was that Clipsal don't even have to pay for that brand marketing anymore. Because, so it can still be called the Adelaide 500, but everyone still refers to it as uh, Clipsal, which is a great point. I hadn't really thought of that because, you know, I was still referring to it as that. So, they probably have to spend millions less and their brand name is still getting referred to hundreds of times, potentially thousands of times within that week on like between conversations and all that, and then you think like people calling up radio and calling it the Clipsal and the host has to be like, no, it's called the Adelaide, nope, 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 it's called the Adelaide 500 now. Just little stuff like that. And, you know, I hadn't really thought of that. And I, you know, I, I, I thought I might've had an example to, to compare it to, but I don't. So I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> um, so we rocked up around halfway through Casey Chambers set, who, some may call a national treasure. I. It's not like Nicolas Cage national treasure. It's like the second national treasure. Is that a good joke? I don't fucking know. Um. So, <laughs> we got there and I saw Casey Chambers was playing. So I was like, all right, and walked right to the bar. Just drank two beers as quick as I could, and I was like, all right, that'll make this easy to get through. <laughs> um. 
sounds like I'm fucking medicating my own problems. Jesus. Who hurt you? Um, so I made my way through her set, which... It was an interesting set to watch. I'm just not a huge fan of it, but it was cool to watch. Um, I could still s- sit back and just watch the band. Like, uh, the guitarists were really cool to watch. Um, the How they were playing... Like, a couple of them were playing a banjo. had, like, a lap steel come out and stuff like that. So... Just to see the different techniques was kind of cool to watch. Uh, but then Cold Chisel came out and played. Um, killed it. Especially for the age that they are. They killed it. Like, um, they played for about two hours. They had two encores, which is my fucking biggest complaint. Like, I normally... An, I, I'm, not, I'm not an encore fan. I'm just going to flat out say it. I'm not a fan these days of when a band does an encore. Like, I just really don't care. And it's, <laughs> it probably sounds cynical, but I'm like, man, I, I just, I, I don't know. I'd like for them to finish their set and they're like, all right, cool. Do you guys want us to play one more? And they'll be like, fuck yeah. And then you walk off. Like, because I think, I think we're in an era now where we're too aware that the encore is going to happen in the sense that I think the encore was special maybe 20, probably like 10 years ago, oh, not 10 years ago, because I was going to shows then. Um, and they weren't really special then, I don't think. I want to say, let's say 20 years ago then. I think the encore was a bit more of a special occasion in the sense that <clears throat> I think, not that it was happening less or anything, but I think just the idea of it was happening less because there was probably less shows that were happening all the time. Like big shows that people would come, that the bands would come back and do encores for. And because you didn't have the internet and stuff like that, you didn't see, you couldn't go online and see like, oh, here's the set list for this band that they've been playing on this tour. They're going to come out and do this song as the encore and other things like that. And I think that has potentially something to do with the fact that I'm not as excited by encores anymore as someone, you know, many, many years ago would have been. I'm very much over them. And it sounds cynical, but I don't mean to sound cynical when I say it. It's just the simple fact that I don't think that they are necessary now. And I'm making such... (laughs) I don't know why I'm getting so fired up over just, you know, waiting a minute or two before coming out and playing your last song. But I just don't think it is necessary. Like, you've already got that audience there I don't think you need to bring it up another level I just I don't know I think when you say it's the last song and you end on that you're good you leave them wanting more and I think that's the way you do it because then when you do come back they're like fuck that was a great show I don't know (laughs) but yeah I what I was saying I got myself sidetracked in my sidetrack there um I think the encores were a bit more special maybe 20 30 20 25 years ago let's say because I think it was a bit more special in the sense that some of the people that left by then, you know, some of them are gone. Just people didn't think there was going to be another one. And then these people that stayed around, they were like, oh, these guys want another song. All right, let's go out and play one for them. Just came to... Great example. Great little comparison just came to me now. Oh, it's perked me right up. I've sat very straight up in my seat for this. I look... I'm... I think of it, I've just thought of it now, I should say. It, it's similar for me 
to the end scenes in a Marvel movie. Okay? So, you go see a Marvel movie, except for Logan. Um, no spoilers for Logan, but if you do watch it, there is no end credit scene. Um, good movie, though. Definitely watch it. Um, so, you go to see a Marvel movie... Ten years ago? What what year are we in? <laughs> 2008. Alright, let's quickly check. I think Iron Man came out in 08, but let's have a look. Iron Man came out in 2008. Hey! Look at me go. Um, so, I think that's when people started to take notice of things like end credit scenes. And then the big one was the one in The Avengers... That's when people went ape shit over it. I think I didn't. I don't know. I saw the Avengers once. It didn't really do much for me, but that's when I really heard people talking about stuff that happened after the credits. The only other time you'd really hear people talk about it was if like they got home or whatever. Uh, sorry, if they had a copy of the DVD or something at home, and they were going through like scene selection, and they were like, "Hang on a sec, there's something after this," and then they'd watch it and they'd get that little bit extra. You didn't know that you were going to get that little bit extra if you went and saw it at the movies. So you didn't know there was this little bit coming for the next setup or whatever. Or you didn't know you were going to get this little bit after the main movie. And I feel like that is similar to Encores now. Because if you saw a Marvel movie like... So let's say you saw Iron Man 1 in the cinemas 10 years ago. I really don't know how many people were sitting around waiting for an end credit scene because they just weren't as prevalent then. Like, is that the right word? I think it's the right word. Yes. <laughs> Better double check words before I use them. Um, it's just they just weren't as prevalent then. Like, they just weren't around as much. But you go see one now, you go see a lot of movies now, and people will sit, like, especially if you see a Marvel movie, which must suck to be an usher, it's like, or anyone that works in uh, a movie theatre nowadays when a fucking Marvel movie comes out, because the movie ends, lights come on, and you're like, cool, we have five minutes to clean this out, or five, ten minutes maybe, to clean this out before the next group of animals come in and mess it all up. So, and then they all hang around for the credits, and you're just like, get these fucking people out of here. Um, so you you go watch a movie now, in especially a Marvel movie, and I, I'll admit, I've done it myself. Like, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I think that was the most recent Marvel movie I saw in the cinemas. And um, um, so the end credits hit, no one moves. Everyone stays because they know what's coming. And that's the same with encores, in my opinion. Like, people know what's coming. So, I just... I think when the element of surprise and spontaneity isn't there anymore, that it's just not necessary. Holy shit, I went for about ten minutes ranting about encores. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that's how I feel then. Uh, but, okay, so to actually getting into the show, um, they did play a great show, man. Great in just endurance in general, just to play a two-hour show. I would have the worst time of my life playing that. Um, 
I spent a lot of the show watching their guitarist Ian Moss play. Just because, being a guitarist, I, I tend to watch the guitarists when they play. Um, and I really, over the years, have grown uh, have grown to appreciate his playing a lot more. Like, I was talking to a family member about this, just today actually, um, about when, as I grow as a musician, like, just... Like, just as I get better at music, like, at playing music and just listening and hearing things more and more, when I go back and listen to something that I haven't listened to for a long time, I can pick up little nuances and, like, little bits here and there that I didn't notice the first time around. So, and it makes, and that's really cool because it means that, I, first of all, there's more going on than I ever thought, and it means that I'm starting to get an idea of what's actually happening. And it's this cool little give and take because it makes me want to learn more about that so I can pick up more things in what stuff that I didn't know was happening. So I spent a lot of that show watching their guitarist Ian Moss play. And I think that they were just playing with one guitarist, which was him. And I will argue that he is probably the most important ingredient in the band in that he's so dynamic. Like... Uh, I spent, like I said, spent pretty much the whole show watching him, and he was switching. At, he was switching between about four to five main guitars. They played a lot of songs, so they, he was switching out guitars a lot. And he was mainly playing Fender Stratocasters. For um, it's oh, if you don't know what a Stratocaster is, just Google it. You've definitely seen it before. It's like what David Gilmore plays. Um, and. It's really. It was just really interesting to watch him basically control the because they're a guitar-driven band. It was really interesting to watch him control the whole show basically himself, in the sense that everyone is basically at the one level and he changes a lot of it. In that, when he probably walks around the stage just in the middle of the a verse or whatever with the volume knob on his guitar at like a 7 or an 8, and then when he needs to cut through for a solo, he cranks it up to 10 and then goes through. Whereas a lot of people won't do that now. They'll control their whole dynamics through the pedal board um, on the stage, and they'll control it with their feet, which he was doing a little bit of that, but it's mainly through his hands. And his control, like, and his right-hand technique as well had a lot to do with how he cut through in the mix too. And switching electronics and just and just understanding the instrument in general and it's really cool to see someone that has such an understanding of the particular instrument they're playing and I don't just mean like such an understanding of playing guitar I mean like the actual guitar that he is playing he has a great understanding of it because if you have a guitar for long enough like a few of my guitars are like this with me like um my the one I play the most in particular is very much like this with me in that not every not every guitar is created equal. <laughs> like, where the sweet spot is for certain things on my guitar is not going to be there on another person's guitar. And he knows the sweet spots in his guitar so well and exactly what he likes and where he likes to hit it on that guitar. He knows what cuts through and he knows what sounds good and he just can whiz his way through it amazingly. And you get that purely through playing that particular instrument 
that particular physical instrument itself over a large amount of time. It's just, yeah, crazy dynamic. Um, Jeez, I'm fucking ranted for 15 minutes about Cold Chisel and the Adelaide 500. <laughs> oh, lordy. Um, then what did I do that weekend? Uh, just looking at the bloody dates. Uh, on Saturday, I went out for my sister's birthday. We went out to lunch, went out to get some, to a uh, bloody Hog's Breath Cafe in Glenelg. Very fine dining experience. But it was pretty cool just to, it was basically just an excuse for us all to go near the beach, I think, really, more than anything else. And just have some nice steaks. And just hang out with my nephew. I take any opportunity I can to hang out with him. I've been doing this thing. I don't know if I've mentioned it on this before, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself. But I try to take a photo of him every time I see him. Just And I've been doing it since he was born. Like, since... Because when I first saw him, he was less than a day old. So I saw him at about 12, 18 hours old. And I took a photo of him then. And I've been taking, like, a photo of him basically every time I see him. So I can go through and scroll through and just see like this little slideshow of him growing up. It's really crazy. It's really scary how he's coming up on a year old next month and he's already changed so much. So it's like, holy shit, what's going to happen in a year? And then a year from then, and it's like, what's going to happen to me? And you're like, oh no, I'm getting old. I better start doing some more shit with my life. Um, It's very easy to turn those things into an existential crisis, I guess, rather than actually be in the moment and enjoy it, which is something that I've been doing a significant, um, significantly more of, which is good. I have been doing that like a lot less staring at my phone and shit like that. Just being in whatever I'm in. It's a good way to go, I think. Um, and then... On Sunday, I did basically nothing on Sunday, but I did go to see my friend Carmen, which was great. It's always good to see her. Um, wait, that was on Saturday night. Sorry. Getting my dates confused. Sorry. <laughs> it's this long weekend that I've got at the moment. It's just completely thrown off my dates. Um, yeah, so I went to see my friend Carmen that night, which was cool. She had a couple of adult beverages, which was it's always interesting to see when you haven't seen someone. Uh, after a drink or two, it's like, does their personality change a lot? It's interesting because, like, I noticed it myself after having two beers just in quick succession. I was like, oh, I've not actually kind of been inebriated around my family before. So I was like, God, I better actually stop after these two. I don't want any of my family to see me, you know, on the verge of drunk, which would have been very, very awkward, I'd imagine. Uh, then Sunday, I honestly don't think I did anything on Sunday. I can't remember. This week has been a bit of a weird one. Uh, and the reason it has been a bit of a weird one is I was doing afternoon shift this week, which was really cool. I'm, I'm really a big fan of afternoon shift because the way uh, at my workplace, the way my afternoon shift works is we do 2.30 until midnight, which is pretty rad. So it's not uncommon that I'll be up at that time most of the time anyway so that works out well to go 
home then and then, you know, get a bit, get a few hours um, when I wake up to myself as well as when I get home. Not mad at that. Never going to be mad at that. And then because of the longer work days, I get Friday off, um, which is today. So uh, <laughs> skipping through a whole week because not a lot of interesting stuff happened, to be honest. Uh, yeah, today I um, got myself some stuff, like got myself a little bit ready for Saturday, really. Uh, went out and got a haircut, got a new pair of shoes, got the old... Got a pair of New Balance 247s. Uh, my friend Carmen said perfectly, G'd up from the feet up. As That's a brilliant expression, and I'm probably going to use it a thousand more times. Unapologetically. Um, oh, one cool thing that did happen, that I completely fucking glossed over, was on Thursday, my friend Patrick... Uh, was on an episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Which, uh, unfortunately, he didn't win the million dollars. Unfortunately not. Uh, he did win a thousand dollars, though. Their little pre-game fastest finger thing, or whatever they call it. Which is pretty cool. But, it was interesting because that was filmed about a month ago. And he told us that, you know, he told a lot of us that he was going to go film an episode and he'll let us all know when it airs. So it was... It's kind of strange to think that... I think the show goes... The show goes for an hour, I think. Um, I only watched it the other day and I already can't remember. Uh, the show does not go for a huge amount of time and you'd imagine that it's a pretty straightforward show to edit and everything, but I guess not considering... But I guess they also need to be backlogged and stuff in case there is a slump. Um... But it really did surprise me that it takes about a month from taping, or filming I should say, to airing. And it really, not that I ever claim to know what's actually going on behind the scenes anywhere in film or television, but it really uh, interests me in the sense that it seems so straightforward that I wonder what they actually have to do and what they actually have to deal with that takes a month per episode. But I guess they're doing an episode per day during the weekdays. So I can I can see why that would work out that way, but it's just, you know, when it's something that I hadn't thought of before, it kind of gets, you know, the, the wheels turning in your head and you're just like, I wonder why this is like that and I wonder why this is like that. Bit of a TV magic, I suppose. Sometimes it's just really, like, sometimes those shows can be, um, it's just really interesting to see how they're made. Like, I always like seeing backstage things from movies and stuff like that, just to see how they did certain things, just to kind of appease that part in my head that's like, how? That curiosity factor that starts happening. But yeah, it was really cool. Uh, really odd as well to switch on the TV and see one of my best friends on there and just be like, oh, that's uh, that's Patrick. This is odd. He's on TV in his local, in Broken Hill anyway, as a journalist, but we don't get that fucking channel here. How dare they? That's why he needs to come here and be a news anchor. Do it. If you're listening to this, Patty, do it. I dare you. 
And also, if you are listening to this, please come back and visit soon. Miss you. Oh. I was actually thinking of going to see him this long weekend, but um, down in Broken Hill, like driving down there, because that's not a huge drive. You can do that and then stay down there a night or two and then drive back. Given the long weekend, I could drive back on the Monday, crash here and then go to work on the Tuesday. But um, I just didn't think that far ahead, to be honest. And because my friend Cam is fighting on Saturday uh, at the Diamondback Fighting Championship, which I've talked about multiple times on this podcast before. And it'll be the first time that... uh, Jesus, clipping, sorry. It'll be the first time that a person I know is actually going to compete in it, which would be kind of cool. Very nervous for him, but like in the best way. It's probably similar to how he feels. Well, obviously, Jesus, did I just say that? It's definitely not, but it's <laughs> it's not on that level at all. But I think it's like, uh, it's the thought of I'm nervous for him, but I'm also very excited for him. And I think that's how all of us are that know him. We're like, man, I'm so excited to see how he does. But it's always, you know, what if? But I hope he does. Obviously, I hope he does well. And I know he's a really, I know he's very skilled at what he does. And I've rolled with him before and it was a fucking nightmare. So I think if anything happens there, he'll be in a good spot. He's a very skilled grappler. And he gets you into these positions where he doesn't finish you off. Like he doesn't tap you out or anything so you can go and restart. Nah, he's like, this is a position that would uh, be be beneficial towards me for striking. So I'm going to hold this position, make you uncomfortable, then transition to another position that would be beneficial towards me for striking. So you're just in these really awkward, uncomfortable positions and you're like, ah, shit, this is my life for the next five minutes. (laughs) Oh, but I'm so excited. I'm very excited for him. And then, uh, gonna go out to town to celebrate it with, with the guys, uh, with, my friends Jack and Jack as well. That's two Jacks. Uh, and hopefully whoever else from the local crew wants to come out and party as well. I don't know. We're not, we're not fucking hitting up Red Square or anything. I think we're just going to go to some local pubs and just have a bit of a night out in the city. Just... It's a good excuse for us all to go out and do something together afterwards. So if that happens, I'll be really happy with that. Uh, what else have I been doing? Uh, this week, I've been playing a lot of this game called Fortnite. And you've almost definitely heard of Fortnite. It's free if you want to play the Battle Royale version. Uh, just to break it down, it's an online game where you get dropped into a map with up to 100 other players and last person standing wins. Very similar to PUBG, the concept, anyway. Ooh, it's a very it's a very good game. Don't get me wrong. It is a good game, but my God, it's infuriating. <laughs> I've had so many moments this week when I've been playing it and uh, something was happening and just, just nothing, nothing, nothing. Then you get killed just, fuck, out of nowhere. Just, and just that's it, just fuck. And then you, then, and then you're done. 
It's just that one moment where you just go to a hundred just when you say fuck. But yeah, that's a fun game. I'd I'd recommend downloading it and giving it a go. If it's not for you, sorry. Uh, all right, I'm getting a bit tired, so I'm gonna start wrapping this up. <laughs> I'm gonna get into my album of the week. And I'm going to go with a classic that I've been listening to a lot of this week because I've been practicing my screams a lot more. And this is one album that I've been screaming along to a lot of. Sorry, I just had to yawn then. Uh, so I'm going to go with... I've been tossing up between these two because I've, I've actually been doing it for both of them. Hmm. Which album do I want to go with? Album do I wanna go with? Um right, I'm gonna go with A New Era of Corruption by Whitechapel. I was tossing up between that and their This Is Exile album. Uh you know what, fuck it, those are both my albums of the week. It's the one band, those albums of the week. How do you like that? That's fucking two for one. So listen to This Is Exile by Whitechapel and A New Era of Corruption by Whitechapel if you want some really intense deathcore that's just going to fucking rock you to your fucking core. I just... One of my pitbull rhyming deathcore with fucking core at the end. This is, this is a very big sign that I need sleep. Um, but Whitechapel are a really cool band, man. Like, I just... There's... It's, it's very yeah it's very hard to describe them other than just very aggressive and dinosaur vocals <laughs> Phil Bozeman is a beast and he's definitely a guy that I look up to when I do um, when I do scream myself and he's a guy who I for the most part do try to emulate in some of his techniques that I do and I get a little close with some of them which is nice um, I've actually been fortunate enough for a few of my friends to, uh, when I had played shows with my, with a band I was in in the past, um, I had two really cool compliments. One was a great compliment at the time was, uh, a friend of mine said that I sound like that I could do, um, Chris from, At- what's that his name? I don't know. Fucking Franz from Attila said that I sounded I could sound just like him. And that was when the Rage album was the most recent thing they put out. And I was actually a huge fan of them. And his vocals were actually really sick. I was like, dude, that's fucking awesome. I'm so stoked that you said that. And then another friend of mine, um, after we played our first show, said I reminded him of Nurgle from Behemoth, who's their vocalist, who's a fucking demon when he screams. So I was like, dude, that's fucking amazing that you said that. And I was just on top of the world after he said that. Uh, that's enough of me patting myself on the back. But yeah, Whitechapel are a sick band. If you <coughs> want to practice vocals, listen to some amazing vocals, give them a listen. Um, Alright. On This Is Exile, I want you to listen to Eternal Refuge. And on A New Era of Corruption, I want you to listen to Murder Sermon. Because that has Vincent from the Acacia Strain. In case you needed enough fucking reason to listen to it. That'll make you fucking beat up an old folks community. (laughs) Alright. Hang on a sec, I just knocked some shit off my desk.
See, I could have paused and then picked it up, but I didn't. That's the magic of what you get. All right. I'm going to start wrapping this up, and I'm going to get some sleep. Uh, good luck, Cam, in your fight for Saturday. I very much look forward to watching it. I really hope you get the win, man. And everyone from the crew loves you. And putting everything positive out there that I can possibly imagine for you. Uh, even He's almost certainly not listening to this, but that's all I want to say. Um, and I, the rest of the week, this weekend, um, no plans until Monday when I'm catching up with my friend Carmen, which I'm very excited for. But we're going to take it one day at a time in that I'm so excited to watch my friend fight. <laughs> and then, yes, nothing. And then I'm very excited for Monday. And then back to normality. Yes, back to normality. All right, I'm going to wrap it up now. I need some sleep. <laughs> I'll talk to you next week. Have a great week, guys. Bye.